Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. I'm Dylan Tyre, and this is Believe in Ohio State. Another week of Believe in Ohio State. Very excited to have you with me. First to review the Buckeyes' big 38-25 victory in Happy Valley over Penn State this past Saturday evening. And then, of course, we've got to preview the Buckeyes' matchup in the shoe, 7.30, this coming Saturday evening against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. So, uh, quite a different test this week for Ohio State, going from Penn State to Rutgers, going from a big-time rival to a team that you've beaten the tar out of for the past six seasons. But uh, let's get things started here with Ohio State versus Penn State. Again, the Buckeyes going on the road. No whiteout this year at Penn State, given the circumstances. But Ohio State won big, 38-25, to and it never really felt that close, did it? Felt like the Buckeyes dominated that game from start to finish. I don't really think Penn State had any chance in that game. I never felt like they were completely in that game. I thought uh, Ohio State got got unlucky on a couple of those field goals in the first half. Uh, An interesting uh, penalty roughing the passer that kept a drive alive for for Penn State. And then, of course, um, everything that went on there at the end of the half, Ohio State taking the knee, the clock not expiring, essentially handing the ball over to Penn State. They hit the long field goal to, to... get their six points on the board in that first half. But um, they were able to open things up offensively there a little bit in the second half. But I didn't, like I said, I did not feel like Penn State was ever in that game. I felt like Ohio State dominated from start to finish, 38-25 to with that victory. They covered in that game. They also pushed on the over-under. As I mentioned uh, last week, I had the over 63 points, and I said, Bet that spread, minus eight for Ohio State. Well, they cover the spread, and they unfortunately for us push on that over-under. So the over-under, again, was uh, set at 63 points last week, and it finished off exactly at 63 points last week. And uh, remember, every week we've had Jacob Jarvis, Ohio State superfan, come on 
and uh, predict the score for me. Well, he said 42-21 against Penn State. I said 38-20. So we were both very, very close. We talk about that a little bit later on this week's episode, so make sure to stick around. Um, Jake's going to give his insights on the Penn State game, tell us a little bit about what he thinks about Rutgers, and then, of course, give us his score prediction for Rutgers and Ohio State this week. We had a similar idea, but I'm actually going to change my score prediction later in the episode. So we've got all that coming, but right now we're going to start off talking about Penn State. And before we do that, as always, I've got to tell you about Bet Online because Bet Online makes this podcast possible. Bet Online is a place that you can have fun while watching Ohio State football games. The Buckeyes are in full swing right now. The NFL is in full swing right now. And while you might not be able to be at these games as fans this year, you can still definitely be be in on that action, having fun at Bet Online. Um, like I said, I've got all sorts of picks later in this episode. We're going to give you my NFL picks as I have every week. I know I've been ice cold on the NFL picks, so be it. This past week, I'm going to I'm gonna count that one as a fluke because it was the worst week for bettors in the NFL this season. The betting public suffered this week in the National Football League. A ton of underdogs covered and won outright this week. So we're going to write last week off and hopefully get back on the horse this week. Also going to have my Ohio State picks for this Rutgers game later in this episode. So we've got all that coming. And once we get those picks, make sure to get them in online at betonline.ag. BetOnline's got everything from game spreads and totals to team props, player props, even coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. It's as simple as that. And they've always got their online casino, too. That never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses, a lot of free money out there. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So let's talk about this Penn State game a little bit. Like I said, I thought the Buckeyes were absolutely dominant, and that was in a lot of facets of the game. First and foremost, I thought the run game looked better early, especially, but throughout the game, I thought the run game looked better for Ohio State than it did against Nebraska Week 1. Can the running game be better going forward for Ohio State? I think so. And I think this week against Rutgers is going to be a very good test because they have not allowed a lot on the ground so far this season. But the run game did look better for Ohio State against Penn State. As a team, they ran for 208 yards overall. They also had their first 100-yard rushing performance of the season. Master Teague had 110 yards and a touchdown, averaging 4.8 yards per carry. Trey Sermon... Um, He had a little bit less of a workload this week compared to Master Teague. Sermon, though, did have 62 yards on the ground. He averaged 4.3 yards per carry. So the yards, good. The yards per carry, not great for Ohio State. The Buckeyes, when they're good, usually sit around 6 yards per carry, 6 to 6.5 yards per carry. So not as good in this game, 4.8, 4.3, but they were a handful on the ground rushing for 208 total yards. And another good sign, Justin Fields barely ran the ball this week, or last week, I should say, against Penn State. Only six carries for Justin Fields compared to the 15 that he had week one. That's much better. That's that's where you want him to be, especially the way, or I should say, especially given the way that he's throwing the ball so far this season. 
why run? We know he's a dynamic athlete. We know he can run, but he's throwing the ball like crazy this season. So keep him healthy. Keep the ball in the running back's hands when it comes to running the football. Keep it out of Justin Fields' hands. Let him throw. Keep him healthy. And let's just do what we've been doing. So uh, that's what I think about the rushing game. Oh, yeah, I can't forget about Garrett Wilson. He started off the game with a 62-yard rush, nearly broke that for a touchdown, but very, very interesting. I like the scheme there by Ryan Day to get the ball in Garrett Wilson's hands that way. Maybe surprise the defense a little bit, caught them uh, caught them off guard, but I like that little wrinkle, Garrett Wilson rushing the football. The play worked for Ohio State, big 62-yard run to start off the ball game. So with that in mind, I thought the Ohio State run looked more dynamic. I just thought it looked better as a whole in Week 2 against Penn State. And that's something that I talked about going into that game. I thought Ohio State would be challenged by a rival like Penn State, a team team that could potentially compete for a Big Ten championship in Penn State, even a national title in Penn State. I think that that game got Ohio State ready. I thought they were ready to play that game because they knew the circumstances going in. They were ready. They dialed it up on offense. They dialed it up on defense. So I think just uh, just having that big-time opponent in Penn State compared to a Nebraska Week 1 had the Buckeyes a little bit more ready to play. But uh, back to the game. On offense, I mean, again, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were absolutely fantastic. They both eclipsed 100 yards for the second consecutive game. Garrett Wilson, 11 catches for 111 yards plus that 62-yard run. Chris Olave, seven catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. What can't these guys do? They're both extremely dynamic. They're uh, maybe the best two wide receivers in the Big Ten. Two of the best wide receivers in the country. I'd say maybe they are the two best wide receivers in the country. Definitely the best duo now that Alabama's had some injuries. But, I mean, these wide receivers... They are tough to handle, especially for a lot of these defenses in the Big Ten. I cannot wait for uh, the postseason this year to see, I mean, assuming Ohio State continues to win and they advance to the college football playoff, I can't wait to see some of those matchups with these wide receivers, some big-time cornerbacks. But you cannot overstate how important Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are to this offense and how good they have already been this season. Um, Going back to the offensive line a little bit, They gave Justin Fields a ton of time to throw the football, so on top of what they did in the run game, they gave him all the time in the world to throw. Only two sacks allowed in this game against a really good defensive line for Penn State, so uh, really, really good play by the offensive line, I think, through uh, the first couple of weeks this season, particularly when it comes to the passing game. And really because they give Justin Fields so much time, no turnovers in that game on offense for Ohio State. Um, No interceptions week one against Nebraska, no interceptions, no fumbles week two against Penn State. I mean, Justin Fields looks very, very comfortable back there. It's very, very clear. And Justin Fields has been the guy for Ohio State these first couple of weeks, the absolute standout. The offensive line clearly helping Justin Fields with time, but this guy can do it all. He He can get on the move and throw. He can sit in the pocket and throw. Ohio State just moves in chunks, and it's really, really fun to watch. Ohio State isn't necessarily, you know, going four yards in a cloud of dust. They're not matriculating the ball down the field. They're they're pouring it down your throat. Ohio State is moving in chunks, and that is really, really fun football to watch. And it's because of the arm talent that Justin Fields has. 28 of 34 against Penn State, 318 yards and four touchdowns. This guy just makes it look so easy, and he makes it look easy for this offense. And as long as this offense continues to do that, 
Ohio State is going to be very, very dangerous. But the defense stepped up against Penn State after struggling a little bit week one against Nebraska. And if Ohio State's defense can play like it did in week two against Penn State throughout the remainder of this season, then Ohio State is really, really scary. In particular, the defensive line came alive in the game against Penn State. Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togiai were everywhere in the middle. Those two defensive tackles, nobody knew what the Ohio State uh, defensive line was going to look like this season, particularly in the middle. You know the talent that you have on the outside. Ohio State always has fabulous pass rushers on the outside. But we didn't really know what the Buckeyes were going to look like in the middle. And Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togiai have delivered so far this season. And I know I talked about it last week, but I mean, this guy Haskell Garrett, man, he was shot in the face two months ago. And he's already back on the field, and he is a difference maker after not really doing anything for his first three seasons at Ohio State. But now he gets this opportunity this year, and he is he has really seized it. He looked fantastic against Penn State. Didn't, didn't really register a whole lot on the stat line, did Haskell Garrett against Penn State, but he was wreaking havoc. And Tommy Togiai, his partner in the middle, that's the guy that, that really reaped those benefits. He, he had three sacks, the first three sacks of his Ohio State career in that game, and uh, he was named the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week for it. Tommy Togiai was absolutely fantastic in that game against Penn State. So if those guys can continue that play, watch out, because the Ohio State defensive line is a difference maker. Jonathan Cooper, defensive end, also had a really, really good game against Penn State. Probably, I'm not even going to say probably, I'm going to say without a doubt, the best game of his Ohio State career. I mean, Jonathan Cooper was an all-world recruit coming to Ohio State now five seasons ago. Five-star, one of the top defensive ends in the country. Hadn't really lived up to the bill yet. He battled injuries, just didn't really perform the past few seasons. But so far, so good this year for Jonathan Cooper. I think a lot of people were very, very happy and proud to see him play the way he did against Penn State. Jonathan Cooper registering five tackles in that game and half a sack. But, I mean, he was even more of a difference maker than that. I mean, when it comes to off the field, leadership on the sideline, all that sort of stuff for Jonathan Cooper. So... With the Ohio State defensive line playing like it did against Penn State, if they can continue that, watch out, because this defense can be very, very dangerous. So that's the good. Now let's talk about the bad a little bit from this game against Penn State. First and foremost, I want to talk about the COVID issue a little bit, because um, backup linebacker Justin Hilliard tested positive for COVID prior to the game. Then they gave him another test, and he tested negative. So... It's a, it's a false positive, in a sense. But we don't really know that, because there's not a third test to confirm. What if the third test comes back and says that he's positive? So I saw a lot of things before the game, you know, Jonathan Cooper does not have COVID, but how do we really know? Because he tested positive once, then negative. So, obviously, he can't play there. But he's allowed on the sideline, and, and he's allowed to travel with the team, even though he has tested positive. He did test negative after the positive test, like I said, but that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, I mean, at least in terms of the Big Ten stance on coronavirus, COVID-19 so far this season, they've got very strict protocols. They've got the strictest protocols and the strictest rules surrounding COVID-19 in college football this year. But that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Why is a guy allowed on the sideline and allowed to travel with the team if he has tested positive? 
and it's not confirmed that it's a false positive. So that confused me a little bit. And uh, another thing that confused me, not to get too off track, is the Nebraska-Wisconsin issue. I get that Wisconsin can't play. They've got they've got guys testing positive like crazy right now. But Nebraska, they don't have anybody testing positive, and they actually had a game scheduled. They found an opponent to play. I believe it was Chattanooga, I think, Tennessee-Chattanooga. Chattanooga got completely tested. They had no positive tests, so they were ready to go against Nebraska, and the Big Ten didn't allow it. So why penalize Nebraska if they were able to find an opponent like that? I don't really get that. I don't really like that. Um, the Big Ten rules are what they are with the the mandatory 21-day sit-out um, because they, they want to make sure all these guys aren't going to get myocarditis, the possible heart condition that comes along with COVID-19. But that's kind of been debunked um, as of late. The the doctors, the scientists have said, you know, they're not really at risk for this. We're not seeing a lot of this in our testing. But the Big Ten rules are what the Big Ten rules are. One thing I will say, and, and that I have said um, throughout my time doing this podcast, is that this year, 2020, I don't really think you can be stand still on anything. I don't think you can be firm on any rules. I think things are changing so fast and evolving that the rules kind of have to evolve with it. So, I mean, the Big Ten hasn't given themselves a lot of leeway this season, and they're making it really hard on some of these teams. Like, with the Wisconsin thing, I get, because it's it's running rampant around that team. I think they have 29 guys as of this recording with COVID-19 on the roster right now, and that's what the Big Ten is trying to avoid. But, I mean, why why stand pat on the 21-day thing when these guys are getting healthy before that and the myocarditis thing has kind of been um, debunked, for lack of a better term, right now? You know, they're not really at risk for that. So, I mean, you got to be dynamic with the rules, I think. Kevin Wilson came out and said once the season was canceled that they're not going to revisit it. They are, they are not going to play whatsoever. Well, what they do? They revisited and they ended up playing. So, I mean, maybe the rules need to change. Maybe the rules need to change. It's 2020. Everything's crazy. I think you need to be dynamic with with how you're reacting to, to some of this COVID stuff. And that's not to say I, I necessarily disagree or, or agree with the Big Ten's rules. I mean, the rules are the rules, and, and I get why they are the way that they are. But if they don't have to be that way, and if the science and the doctors say they don't necessarily have to be that way, then, then be willing to change. Because some of these teams are, are getting really screwed. They're getting hurt. You know, Wisconsin, I get that they have COVID, but they're probably not going to have the opportunity to compete for a Big Ten championship. Um, Purdue, Wisconsin's opponent this coming week, is now going to have a game off of their schedule because they can't play Wisconsin. So they have um, a bad opportunity now. They're probably not going to have the opportunity to compete for a Big Ten championship out of the Big Ten West. So i just like to see a little bit more willingness to kind of change as things need to change from the Big Ten because some of these teams are really getting hurt and it's not their fault. So that's my little deal on on COVID-19, but I don't want to get off track. I want to go back to some of the bad from this game against Penn State. There wasn't a whole lot of it, but um, one thing I will say, kicking questions after that game because Blake Hobiel, he had a little groin tweak going into the game, missed the field goal, wasn't doing kickoffs in the game. Um, he comes out of the game and Dominic Damasio comes in and replaces him, and he doesn't necessarily look um, look very good either. So maybe some ki- some kicking questions, excuse me, 
coming out of that game against Penn State. Remains to be seen if Hobiel will be healthy for this game against Rutgers. It's not a major concern because, I mean, how often is Ohio State kicking? They score a lot of touchdowns. But it's something to monitor going forward because the kicker will be needed late in the season. Big games will be needed in the college football playoff, playing some better teams where field goals will matter. So just something to keep an eye on there. And then the last thing that I want to mention from that Penn State game, Sean Wade struggled. Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver from Penn, from Penn State, he's very good. Eight catches, 144 yards, and three touchdowns. Much of that coming against Sean Wade. So certainly a game that Sean Wade will want to forget. Um, Jahan Dotson was really good in that game. He made some crazy catches, but Sean Wade has to be better down the stretch for Ohio State. Remember, he's moving outside for the first time in his college career. Played primarily in the slot last year. So maybe it takes some time. Jahan Dotson's a very talented wide receiver, but Sean Wade has to be better. Do I doubt, do I not think that he's going to improve this season? Do I doubt that Sean Wade's the guy at cornerback for Ohio State? Not one bit. He's a fantastic player. I think Sean Wade was really, really underrated in terms of how important he was for the Ohio State defense last year. So I like Sean Wade a lot, but he has to be better going forward, and I'm sure that he will be. So that does it for our Penn State recap, a game, like I said earlier, that I thought Ohio State looked fabulous in. thought they dominated that game from start to finish, a 38-25 victory. Not as close as it turned out on the scoreboard, but the Buckeyes still did cover. So I love that game from Ohio State. That is a big, big game against a big-time opponent. And now Penn State's reeling. They're 0-2. Their hopes of a Big Ten championship, their hopes of a college football playoff, probably dead after that loss to Ohio State. And I mean, pat on the back there for Ohio State. Penn State's a good team. Penn State is a good team, a big-time opponent. The Buckeyes go into their place and beat them handily. Now let's transition over to Buckeyes in the NFL. couple notes from former Ohio State Buckeyes with big performances in the National Football League this past week, week eight of the NFL season. First and foremost, Ohio State running back, former Ohio State running back J.K. Dobbins registered the first 100-yard rushing game of his NFL career. 15 carries for 113 yards in the Ravens' loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. So congratulations to J.K. Dobbins, a guy that's looking to take over that backfield in Baltimore. Well on his way, 15 carries, 113 yards. Now Curtis Samuel, I challenged him a couple weeks ago. Curtis Samuel has responded to that challenge. I said he needed to step up with Christian McCaffrey out. He didn't look like the guy that the Panthers thought he was when they drafted him in the second round. But he stepped up the past couple of weeks. On Thursday night, he had two touchdowns, and the Panthers lost to the Falcons. Three carries for 23 yards and a score, and four catches for 31 yards and another touchdown. So good job by Curtis Samuel, despite the Panthers' loss. Now moving over to the defensive side of the football, Marshawn Lattimore had an interception in the Saints' win over the Bears on Sunday evening, and Malcolm Jenkins, also a big contributor in that game, had two passes defended and also recorded a sack. So the Saints' DBs from Ohio State getting it done in Chicago. Then also on defense, Tyquan Lewis had two big sacks in the Indianapolis Colts' victory over the Lions. So big game there by Tyquan Lewis, former Ohio State defensive end. Then our final note from Buckeyes in the NFL, Billy Price, first-round pick by the Bengals a couple seasons ago. He's frankly been a big disappointment in Cincinnati. has not been the interior lineman they thought he was when they drafted him, but he stepped up against the Tennessee Titans. He got the game ball 
after the Bengals win that game against Tennessee. So big congratulations to Billy Price. Maybe this is the beginning. Maybe Billy Price has finally figured it out at the NFL level, and he's going to take off and become the elite offensive lineman they thought he would be when they drafted him a couple of seasons ago. So a big game by Billy Price, big games by all those Buckeyes. Congratulations to them. That is Buckeyes in the NFL. Now let's move over to my NFL picks. And I'm very sorry, things did not go well in Week 8 for my NFL picks. Let's go over those very, very quickly. First and foremost, Washington was on a bye. Remember, if you haven't listened before, every week I pick the Bengals, the Washington football team, The Saints, the Raiders, the Lions, and the Colts, also Sunday night football, also Monday night football, but we pick all those teams because they boast the most former Ohio State Buckeyes now in the NFL. So Washington was on a bye in Week 8, so let's get going. Pick number one, I had the Colts by 2.5 points against the Lions. That pick hit in a big way. The Colts handled the Lions, so I was 1-0 to start things off. Pick number two was the Titans at the Bengals. I thought the Titans were going to win handily against Cincinnati. I thought the Titans were going to bounce back after a tough loss against Pittsburgh in Week 7. But the Bengals came to play. Joe Burrow is the guy in Cincinnati. He has that team contending every single week. They able, they're able they able, rather, to pull it out against the Titans this past Sunday. So, unfortunately, I lose that pick. I'm 1-1. One one. Then also Sunday at 1 Eastern, it was the Raiders and the Browns in Cleveland. Awful weather game. I thought the Raiders weren't going to be able to handle it. I thought the Browns were going to back up their big victory in Cincinnati with another one. Well, they did not cover their 2.5-point spread. They were favorites in that game and said the Raiders beat them outright, so I was 1-2. and two. Then Sunday at 425, unfortunately, we pushed the Bears and the Saints pick. I had the Bears plus 3 in that game. I thought they had a chance to win outright. The game goes to overtime. The Saints win by a field goal in OT, so we push pick number four. Then Sunday night football, pick number five, the Cowboys and the Eagles. I had the Eagles covering six and a half points in that game. Felt like a near lock given the way the Cowboys have looked this season. Indeed it was, so we hit that one two and three. Then Monday night football, the Bucks at the Giants. I thought the Buccaneers were going to demolish the Giants, frankly, but the Giants play hard. The Buccaneers beat them by two points. They do not cover the 11-point spread, so we lose that pick. I go 2-4 and four on the week and overall on the season. Still over 500, but I'm reeling right now 27-25 and 25 this year. Now let's get to this week's picks because hopefully we're going to bounce back. Like I said early in the episode, um, this past week was the worst week for the betting public when it comes to NFL betting this season. A lot of underdogs won, a lot of underdogs covered, so it was tough if you were picking favorites. So now let's hope for a better week this week. Let's hope those favorites are are able to play a little bit better. Pick number one, remember the Bengals on bye this week, so we're not going to have a Bengals pick. Pick number one, Sunday at 1 Eastern, the Lions at the Vikings. The Vikings are four-point favorites at home. I think the Lions show up this week. They've been an up-and-down team this season. I think Matthew Stafford gets them on track and I like the Lions plus four in this game at Minnesota. I don't have a lot of faith in the Vikings this season. Pick number two, Sunday at 1 Eastern. It's the Giants at the Washington football team. I couldn't believe the Giants were three-point underdogs in this game at Washington. I like the Giants to cover, and I like the Giants to win outright because, like I said earlier, I think the Giants play hard. I think Daniel Jones isn't that bad. I think they've got some weapons on offense, and I think they win this game against Washington. So I like the Giants plus three. 
Pick number three also Sunday at 1 Eastern, the Ravens at the Colts, game of big-time defenses. This is going to be a very, very interesting game to watch, going to show us really how real each of these two teams is. The Ravens win big. We know the Ravens are real. If the Colts win outright in this game, I think we know the Colts are for real. The Ravens are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Indianapolis, and I like the Ravens in this game. I think they need to bounce back. They haven't looked very good the past couple of weeks, so I like the Ravens minus 2.5, minus two-and-a-half points in Indianapolis because I think the Ravens' defense is just going to be too much for Phillip Rivers and the Colts' offense. So Ravens minus two-and-a-half is my pick. Now pick number four. Sunday at 4.05 Eastern, the Raiders at the Chargers. I like the Raiders plus one and a half in this game. The Chargers have been in what? Every single game they've played with Herbert as the starter, Justin Herbert. But they haven't been able to really pull anything out. They keep blowing games at the end. I think that's going to take a toll at some point. I think that toll is taken this Sunday. I like the Raiders on the road winning outright against the Chargers. I like the Raiders plus one and a half. Pick number five, Sunday night football. It's the Saints at the Buccaneers. Buccaneers are five and a half point favorites. I like the Bucs in this game, five and a half points by five and a half points, I should say. I don't think the Saints are very good at all. I didn't think they looked good in Chicago against the Bears despite that victory. I think the Buccaneers are starting to hit their stride. I think there's a lot of chemistry between Tom Brady and his receivers and Rob Gronkowski now at tight end. And the Buccaneers are going to add Antonio Brown to the mix this week. So another wrinkle there, another fabulous talent. I like the Buccaneers, minus 5.5 points on Sunday night football. Now the final pick of the week, pick number 6, Monday night football, the Patriots at the Jets. The Patriots are 7-point favorites on the road. I like the Jets to cover these 7 points, Jets plus 7, because I don't think the Patriots are good at all. I still think there's the allure of the Patriots a little bit. People think they can right the ship this season despite their rough start. I don't buy it. I don't think the Patriots are very good. I think... Being a touchdown underdog at home is just too much in prime time. I like the Jets to cover plus seven. So one more time, we'll go over our six picks this week. Pick number one, the Lions plus four. Pick two, the Giants plus three. Pick number three, the Ravens minus two and a half. Pick number four, the Raiders plus one and a half. Pick five, the Buccaneers minus five and a half. And pick number six, the Jets plus seven. So good luck, everybody, this week. Get those picks in at Bet Online, And now it's time to switch over to the college side of things. Let's go around the Oval at Ohio State. Now some interesting news to start things off. Every week, ESPN has a playoff predictor that, you know, does what it does in terms of analytics, and it generates which college football team has the best chance to win the national championship. Now after beating Penn State, Ohio State per the ESPN playoff predictor, has the best chance to win a national title this year. 36% chance, the predictor gives the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's best among Alabama, among Clemson, among Georgia, BYU, all these different teams that are that are in position to make the playoff this season. Ohio State, best chance in the country to win a national championship at 36%. Alabama is at 32% right now, and Clemson at a measly 15% right now. Maybe the predictor does not like what Clemson has in store against Notre Dame this coming week without Trevor Lawrence. But very, very interesting. Ohio State now given the best chance in the country to win a national championship, 36% per ESPN's playoff predictor. Now, some news and notes for the Buckeyes. Jonathan Cooper named the Reese's Senior Bowl Co-Senior of the Week 
after his performance against Penn State. Five tackles and half a sack, but like I said, felt like he did a lot more than that, so congratulations to Jonathan Cooper for his performance against Penn State. Tommy Togiai named the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week after having three sacks at Penn State. Justin Fields named the Co-Offensive Player of the Week in the Big Ten after his four-touchdown performance against Penn State. And then some bad news. Cornerback Cam Brown tore his Achilles against Penn State and will miss the remainder of the season. So bad news there for Cam Brown. Bad news for the Ohio State secondary. But all that means is Marcus Williamson, Seven Banks, some other young defensive backs are going to need to step up for Ohio State and take that spot that Cam Brown occupied. I don't doubt the Buckeyes will be able to do it. But let's say uh, if this is Sean Wade, I'd be a lot more nervous, be a lot more worried. But it's Cam Brown. We've got guys that are at that same level this season, stepping in for the first time, getting adjusted to the college game. Marcus Williamson and Seven Banks have been there this season in that same position that Cam Brown's been in. They've played well. I don't doubt they're going to be able to pick up where Cam Brown has left off. But unfortunate for Cam Brown, feel bad for the guy. Torn Achilles out for the season. We wish him the best in his recovery. Believe he had surgery or was scheduled yesterday. So uh, best of luck to Cam Brown as he goes forward with that recovery. That will do it for our Around the Oval segment is now we will get into the Ohio State versus Rutgers preview. The number three Ohio State Buckeyes 2-0 on the season facing off against the 1-1 Rutgers Scarlet Knights Saturday at 7.30 on the Big Ten Network. So some primetime TV Ohio State and Rutgers The game opened with Ohio State as 37-point favorites. The over-under is set at 70-and-a-half. We'll get into my picks in regards to those numbers a little bit later. Couple notes for the 2-0 Buckeyes. Like I said earlier, Blake Hobiel, the Ohio State kicker, might not be available for this game against Rutgers after he he tweaked his groin and uh, was pulled from that game because of it um, in Penn State, or against Penn State, I should say. Dominic Damasio took his place. He missed, he missed a chip shot in that game. He handled kickoff duties, but not sure that Ryan Day liked what he saw from Dominic Damasio because he says that the number two overall kicking recruit in the 2020 class, Jake Seibert, might kick in this game against Rutgers if Hobiel cannot. But uh, Hobiel's day-to-day right now, my money would be on him kicking against Rutgers. And uh, if he's not able to, I think it'll probably be Dominic Damasio just because they don't want to waste the gray shirt for uh, Jake Seibert as a freshman. So something to keep an eye on going forward, as I mentioned earlier, but I think Blake Hobbiel will be able to kick in this game against Rutgers. Just a groin tweak, and uh, frankly, I don't think Ohio State's going to be kicking the ball very much against Rutgers in terms of field goals, that is. They'll be kicking off a lot, so I'd see Dominic Damasio doing that. They'll probably be kicking a lot of extra points, so not a whole lot of pressure on the kicker this week against Rutgers. Now let's talk about Rutgers a little bit. Not a whole lot new on Ohio State going into this game. The same suspects, the same guys are going to be the guys contributing for the Buckeyes. But let's get to know Rutgers a little bit. They're 1-1 one one on the season. They've got a new head coach in Greg Schiano. Well, an old new head coach, a new old head coach, however, however you want to say it. Shiano brought them to prominence in the mid-2000s. Um, he left, came to Ohio State, was the defensive coordinator at Ohio State after spending time in the NFL with Tampa Bay. Now he's back at Rutgers trying to bring them back to national prominence in the college football sphere. So he's at Rutgers to start this year. Greg Schiano is 
They're one and one under him so far. Now, the team is made up of a lot of transfers. Shiano, you know, he's, he's starting to recruit at Rutgers, but he can't have those young guys contributing just yet. So he has a ton of transfers that have come in, including former Buckeyes Brendan White, who's contributed a lot at safety, and Malik Barrow, who's a backup defensive lineman. So two former Buckeyes on that defense. He also has a transfer at quarterback, or at quarterback, I should say, Noah Vidral. He transfers in from Nebraska, spent two years there. He's their new starting quarterback. So Noah Vidral transferring in from Nebraska is the Rutgers starting quarterback. At wide receiver, they've got former All-Big Ten returner at Wisconsin, Eric Cruikshank. So he's contributed at wide receiver, catching Vidral's passes. They also have a new defensive lineman starting from Michigan, Michael Dwumfor. He's a starter at defensive tackle. Brand new tight end starting, West Virginia, or former West Virginia tight end, Giovanni Haskins is their starting tight end. So a lot of new contributors on this offense and on this defense for Rutgers, and they're playing hard through their first two games. They won week one. They beat Michigan State 38-27 to in East Lansing to open the season. So kind of a weird year for Michigan State, losing week one to Rutgers and then beating Michigan week number two. In that game, Rutgers forced seven turnovers against the Spartans. They didn't do much on offense. They only averaged 2.6 yards per carry and had 170 passing yards in that game. But they were stout on defense. They forced six fumbles already this season, seven turnovers in that game against Michigan State, and that helped them to beat the Spartans 38-27. Now, they didn't look as good last week. They lost 37-21 against Indiana at home in Piscataway last week. Noah Vidral at quarterback threw for only 130 yards. He had three interceptions to go along with a pair of touchdowns. On the ground, the team averaged only 3.7 yards per carry, and they've got kind of a weird thing going on at running back. Vidral at quarterback is running the ball a ton. He led the team with 14 carries against Indiana, and he was also sacked four times in that game. He had 57 yards on the ground on 14 carries, but he was sacked four times. So Vidral's running the ball a lot in addition to throwing. Feels like really he is their offense this season, and their offense hasn't been very good. Their defense has kept them in games. It frankly won them the game against Michigan State, and the offense didn't do anything against Indiana last week at home. So uh, kind of a mixed bag for Rutgers coming into this game against Ohio State. So let's get into some key matchups for the Buckeyes this week. First and foremost, I've got the Rutgers offensive line versus the Ohio State defensive line. Now, Rutgers offensive line has allowed six sacks through the first two weeks this season, four sacks last week against Indiana, while Ohio State on defense has eight sacks this season. So, I mean, it's a mismatch. Ohio State should chew them up up front. This matchup is is more so for Rutgers, I think, because the Ohio State defensive line is going to be good. But if the Rutgers offensive line can piece something together and, and create a little running room, can protect the quarterback, then the pressure is on the Ohio State linebackers and their defensive backs. So the Rutgers offensive line has to be good to have a chance of keeping things close against Ohio State. Now, that running game has struggled for Rutgers, too. They're averaging only 3.1 yards per carry on the season to start the year through their first two games. Now, that's not good at all. And if they're unable to run the ball against Ohio State, the Buckeyes can pin their ears back, get after the passer, and and try to create some havoc. And I think that's what's going to happen this week. I mean, 
Rutgers is not going to run the ball against Ohio State if they haven't been able to do it against Indiana and Michigan State. And I don't think they're going to be able to pass the ball whatsoever if they've only thrown for 170 yards and 130 yards against Michigan State and Indiana. Ohio State has a better defense. They've got better athletes. They're going to get after Rutgers on offense, and I think it's going to be ugly for the Rutgers offense in this game against Ohio State. Now matchup number two. I've got the Ohio State offensive line and running backs versus the Rutgers linebackers and safety Brendan White. Former Ohio State Buckeye. The guy was the defensive MVP of the Rose Bowl a couple years ago. So he's been big so far this season for Rutgers, and their linebackers have been very good this season. They're going to cause problems for the Ohio State front and these running backs, I think. Let's talk about their linebackers a little bit to start. Ola Kunle Fatukasi was the Bedneric National Player of the Week after he had 10 tackles and a forced fumble, as well as two recoveries in Week 1 against Michigan State. The Benaric National Player of the Week, also Big Ten Co-Defensive Player of the Week in Week 1 for Alakunle Fatukasi. Then he had 14 tackles and 2.5 and tackles for loss against Indiana. So this guy can play at linebacker for Rutgers. It's going to be an issue for Ohio State, so keep your eyes out on Fatukasi. Then another linebacker, Mohamed Torre, had two forced fumbles against Michigan State, and he also leads Rutgers with two sacks this season. So those guys are going to wreak a little bit, uh, wreak a little bit of havoc in the middle for Rutgers. Then you've got Brendan White coming down from safety. He's got 17 total tackles already this season, also an interception. And opponents are only averaging two yards per carry through two games against Rutgers this season. Now Indiana is a pass-heavy offense. Michigan State was behind in that game against Rutgers. They had to throw the football, but I mean, two yards per carry is nothing. So this Indiana defense can stop the run, and Ohio State hasn't been particularly good running the football this season. Like I said, I thought they improved against Penn State. This is this is going to be another opportunity to improve, I think. This Rutgers run defense has been stout this season. So let's keep our eyes out on the Ohio State offensive line and the Ohio State running backs. The O-line needs to create holes, and the running backs need to be dynamic. They need to break tackles, and it's going to be hard to do against these Rutgers linebackers and a really nice safety in Brendan White. So keep your eyes out for the Ohio State offensive line and running backs against the Rutgers quality linebackers in their safety, Brendan White. A couple of other players to watch for Rutgers in this game against Ohio State. Isaiah Pacheco is their lead running back, but they don't yet have a running back with 100 total yards on the season, or their quarterback for that matter. So Isaiah Pacheco is the lead running back, but they don't run him a whole, whole lot. As, uh, like I said, he doesn't yet have 100 yards total through two games this season. He does have nine catches out of the backfield, though. Those nine receptions lead the team for Rutgers, so keep your eyes out. They're going to be trying to utilize him as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Probably won't run him a whole lot against Ohio State, just because I don't think Rutgers is going to be successful running the football against the Buckeyes. Mentioned the quarterback, Noah Vigil, earlier. He's carried 23 times on the season compared to Pacheco's 28. So they run the ball a whole lot with their quarterback. That's something Ohio State struggled with week one, did not struggle with it whatsoever against Sean Clifford and Penn State in week two. I mean, if Sean Clifford and the Penn State Nittany Lions aren't having success running the football with the quarterback, do you think Rutgers will? Especially when Rutgers doesn't really have a threat at running back. Something to keep your eyes on, but Noah Vigil, like I said earlier, the offense runs through him, 
but their offense hasn't done a lot this season. Only 300 passing yards through two games, don't yet have a 100-yard rusher through two games this season. So, I mean, it's not a dynamic offense. This team is going to rely on its defense. Now, another guy on offense to watch for Rutgers is quarterback Johnny Langan. He's their backup quarterback, but they use him like Taysom Hill is used for the Saints. He's got four rushes and a touchdown, two passes, and one catch through two weeks this season. So I'd expect them to try to utilize this guy against Ohio State. He's kind of a gadget player, a guy that can create mismatches, a guy that can confuse a defense. So watch out for Johnny Langan against Ohio State. He could be a dynamic player. He could be a difference maker for Rutgers. Then the last guy to watch out for, wide receiver Bo Melton. He leads Rutgers with 98 receiving yards this season and a pair of touchdowns. So, I mean, pretty good numbers. Nothing like what the Ohio State receivers have done this season, but he's the guy to watch at wide receiver catching passes from Noah Vigil against Ohio State. So those are the guys to watch for Rutgers. Those are the matchups I want you to watch between Rutgers and Ohio State. That really does it for our Rutgers-Ohio State preview. So right now, let's throw it over to Jake Jarvis. We're going to talk a little bit about the Penn State game, talk a little bit more about this Rutgers game coming up, and we're also going to give our score prediction. So without further ado, here's Jake Jarvis. We will get started with that Penn State game. I thought Ohio State looked fantastic in that game. You and I talked about it last week. They had some areas that they needed to improve. They needed to improve their run game. They needed to improve their run defense. And they kind of just had to improve defensively altogether. They didn't look great their first week against Nebraska, despite winning big in that game. But you needed them to show up against Penn State. You needed them to shut down Sean Clifford. You needed them to shut down the running backs, and they did exactly that. Penn State could hardly run. They finally figured out the pass later in the game, but how happy were you with that Ohio State effort in that game? Uh, you know, it was a good effort, um, something I haven't seen before with Ryan Day. You know, I think he's doing a good job, and I think our defense looked good. They showed up, but the only thing that didn't, didn't really stand out to me was our running game. Um, we can't get really any yards with Teague and I think if we open our offense a little bit better, give a little room, I think we, I think our running backs could do a lot better. So you think that offensive line, you need to see even more from that offensive line when it comes to running the football against Rutgers in week three? Because I thought that was going to be maybe the strongest part for Ohio State this season was their offensive line when it came to the run because they've got so many big-time recruits up front there. But you need to see a little bit more from them going forward. You know, I watched the Indiana Rutgers game. You know, Indiana's, I mean, Rutgers, pardon me, is doing, doing well, I think, um, with Shiano, but I think we can beat him. The game opened with Ohio State as 37 point favorites in that one. Going back to your prediction for Penn State, I mean, I think the Nebraska prediction, you were only three points off. The Penn State prediction, you were only four points off. We were both really close. I had 38 20. And it was 38-25. You had 42-21. So we were both almost right there again. And then for the over-under, the point total for that game was 63, which you hit right on the head with the 42-21 prediction. And it turned out to be 63-point total in that game. So, I mean, you're pretty hot to start this season. I think, uh, I think our listeners are enjoying your picks so far this year. I know I certainly am because you're helping them pick some winners here. So. 
One last thing I'll ask you about Penn State before we get into this Rutgers prediction, and I'm glad that you've watched Rutgers a little bit this season because uh, I want to know what you think about them. But was there one player maybe on offense or defense that you really, really enjoyed watching or were surprised by in that Penn State game? I know you said the receivers on offense. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson have been awesome the first couple of games. How about, though, on defense, or maybe if there was anybody else on offense, but on defense, I mean, there were a number of guys who really stepped up in that game, I thought. Yeah, uh, you know, Justin Fields, I think he could be a Heisman candidate, you know, with uh, Trevor out. But, you know, it's season's not over yet. So I think if Justin can get out of the pocket and throw like he did in the Penn State game, we're going to be fine. So Justin Fields was your guy in that game. I think he was the guy for a lot of people because he looked so awesome in that game. And you mentioned the defense, you know, so many defensive linemen stepping up in that game. Tommy Togiai, he stepped up big. Uh, Haskell Garrett, both defensive tackles. Jonathan Cooper had probably the best game of his Ohio State career at defensive end. So I know you like to see that. I like to see that. Everybody liked to see that from the defensive line in that game. That defense really did come to play. Sean Wade struggled a little bit later in that game um, as Penn State started to throw the ball more and more. But is that the type of defense you need to see from Ohio State the rest of the season, or do they need to be even better? Can that defense that they played against Penn State in Happy Valley win a national championship, or do you think it has to be better? No, I, I think it's I think it's really well. Jonathan was a stud in that game, but also, you know, Tommy Togai. You know, I think he could be the next Joey Bosa way he tackles but you know also um I'm just happy with our defense you know with coach Johnson I think he's doing an awesome job yeah if we can keep that up I think we can win a national championship for sure all right well I'd have to agree with you because I think that defensive effort against Penn State is just about as good as it gets now let's get into Rutgers a little bit tell me about Rutgers what do you think what do you think they're good at after watching that Indiana game you know they were able to able to have a good game against Michigan State played played Indiana well they're one and one coming into this game against Ohio State so so how do you feel about Rutgers are they better than they have been in the past you know yeah that's a good question I definitely think they are you know um, they won their first game I don't think you're gonna be able to contain our defense their, their quarterback looks pretty decent uh, i think we should watch out for him he can get out of the pocket he can throw but he can also use his legs um, i think if we can watch him that's gonna be a big key for ohio state yeah i've heard about that quarterback a little bit he transferred in um from nebraska actually he was adrian martinez's backup for the past couple of seasons he started at ucf then went to nebraska now he's at Rutgers, and that's kind of the story with Rutgers, um, from from what I know about them early on here, is they're made up of a lot of transfers. They have a lot of guys who were backups in some places, kind of half starters, half backups in other places, and those guys are really helping them out, specifically on offense. Their defense has played pretty well, too. They've got a former Ohio State safety in Brendan White there. He's got 17 tackles through two games former defensive MVP of the Rose Bowl for Ohio State, Brendan White. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a revenge game for him. But Ohio State is 37-point favorites in this game against Rutgers. Like you said, Rutgers has improved this year. Greg Schiano's back at Rutgers after being the defensive coordinator at Ohio State, of course. He was the guy who put Rutgers into the top 25, made them kind of a prominent college football program. They fell off when he left. He comes to Ohio State, leads a good defense at Ohio State, 
Now he's back at Rutgers trying to do what he did before, make them a big time program again in New Jersey, but it's Ohio state and it's Rutgers. There's a big difference in the talent that these two teams have. Like I said, Ohio state's averaging a 44 point victory over them in each of the past four or five seasons. The people that set the lines for these games, they don't think it's going to be very different this season as Ohio state um, comes out as a 37 point favorite to start this game. So what do you have in mind? What's your score prediction here for Rutgers and Ohio state at the shoe? Uh, you know, I'm going to go 52 to 17 Ohio state. Are you kidding me? That was going to be my score prediction too. Mine was exactly the same as yours. 52, 17 Ohio state. So I'm going to lock that into, I agree with you. 52, 17. I like Ohio State. I think the Rutgers defense is going to be better than it has been in the past, so I don't see Ohio State putting up 60, 70 points against Rutgers like they have in the past, but I think the Ohio State defense clamps it down on Rutgers. Doesn't give them much. I'm just really looking forward to this game. You know, Ryan versus Greg Schiano, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be interesting, but um, like you said, Rutgers has, has improved. I, I would like to see them improve uh, this year. I think it's going to be good for their their team, if they can beat some some big opponents, I think they're going to be up there. So there you have it from Jake. He thinks Rutgers is going to play Ohio State a little bit tougher than they have in the past, but Ohio State still comes out with a big victory, 52-17. to 17. So we both matched up on the score predictions there. Not much better. You, you've been hot, like I said. I had a pretty good score prediction last week. You've had two really good score predictions these first couple of weeks. I mean, you've been off of the exact final score by a combined seven points in the first two games, so only off by a touchdown through two games. You were within three points against Nebraska, four points against Penn State. I was right there against Penn State, so I mean, hey, I think that's a pretty good track record. If you're looking for your score predictions, this is the podcast to come to. We both say Ohio State 52-17 over Rutgers this week at the Shoe. Remember, you can catch that game on Saturday. It's a late game, 7.30 start on the Big Ten Network. So uh, watch that one with Jake and I. And Jake, uh, any last thoughts? Or are you just excited to talk to everybody next week again? I got some I got some couple last thoughts. I think Ohio State is good this year, definitely. But, you know, other Big Ten teams have, have showed up. You know, Maryland, Indiana, and Purdue. In Northwestern, def- those teams are doing, I think, awesome. They're improving. I think the Big Ten's doing a little bit better this year. So you're big time. You're loving the improvement of the Big Ten this year. These these schools are getting better. It's becoming a stronger and stronger conference, and you like to see that. And that's good for Ohio State, too. More tests for Ohio State. And you're also saying, in a sense, that people can't doubt these teams that, that no. Ohio State's playing because Ohio State's got Maryland coming up. They're going to be facing off against Indiana coming up here. I mean, they could face one of those teams you talk about in the West, Purdue or Northwestern, in the Big Ten championship game if everything goes right. So, I mean, Ohio State's going to have some tests, maybe more than people think this season. Yeah, uh, Maryland, they got a good quarterback. We'll see what that game looks like. But, you know, I'm really pleased with Ohio State this year. And I, know, I know we're 2-0, and but still, I like our offense and our defense. So, That pretty much covers my predictions. Well, Jake, as always, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much for your score prediction. And like you, I'm just excited to watch Ohio State this week face off against Rutgers. Saturdays are so much better now that football's back, and uh, we're enjoying having you on every week. So thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you this time next week, man. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. 
So, as always, a great big thanks to Ohio State superfan Jake Jarvis for joining me this week on Believe in Ohio State. We agreed on our score predictions, 52-17, to the Buckeyes over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, Saturday at 7.30. But as we get into my picks for this game now, I'm going to change my score prediction. As I went over everything for the Rutgers offense, I just do not think they have enough to score 17 points against this Ohio State defense. So I'm going to change my score prediction, take off a touchdown, and I'm going to go to 52-10 Ohio State. So with that in mind, here comes my pick for the spread. The Buckeyes favored by 37 points. I like them hammering these 37 points. Ohio State is 6-0 straight up against Rutgers and 5-1 against the spread since the Scarlet Knights joined the Big Ten. The average score of this game over the past six seasons has been 54.5 to 8. So my score prediction right on that same line, 52-10, to 10, Ohio State by 37. I just don't think Rutgers has it in them. I think the Buckeyes punish them. Rutgers has been better this season. I think they have a better defense than they have in the past, but I just think Ohio State is far too much for the Scarlet Knights. The over-under was set at 70.5 ahead of this game. I think that's way too high. I think they're giving Rutgers way too much credit on offense going into this game. The line makers, that is. I don't think Rutgers is able to score whatsoever against Ohio State unless Ohio State puts up 60, 65 points in this game. I don't see this over-under even being close, or this over being close, I should say. So I like the under 70 and a half a lot in this game. The over has hit in both Rutgers games this season, and Ohio State has not yet hit an over. They've gone under in five of their last six games at home as well. So even though Rutgers has hit both overs, they've played different opponents than Ohio State. This is going to be a much stouter defense. And the fact that Ohio State has not yet hit an over this season, and the fact that they've gone under in five of their last six home games, I like the under a lot. The over-under is very, very high this week at 70.5. So my picks, Ohio State minus 37 and the under of 70.5 points. That's going to do it for this week of Believe in Ohio State. Make sure to get all your NFL picks, your Ohio State picks, your other college football picks in online at betonline.ag, the online sportsbook experts. Get your picks in, have a little fun this weekend, and have fun watching Ohio State absolutely handle the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. That's what it's all about. Ohio State has looked so good to start this season off. They want to keep it rolling against Rutgers. Big game in the shoe, 7.30 kick, prime time on BTN Saturday night. Watch along with me. Get those picks in, as I mentioned. Again, a big thanks to Jake Jarvis. And as always, thank you for joining me on this week's edition of Believe in Ohio State. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.